Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I am Royce Hood, and welcome Father Orsi from Naples, Florida. Father, how are you today? Marvelous. Good to be with you once again. Once again, we are together, and we had a hiatus last week. I was where was I last week? I think I was in I was somewhere. I've been I've been going different places every single week, Father. This month and next month, every week I'm traveling. And, well, I'll uh, tell you, you know you. You're young enough to do it. Do it while you can. Well, it's funny. You know, I used to be able to set a meeting in the afternoon, you know, travel to that meeting, you know, several hours, whether it's flying or driving, get there, do the meeting and be good. Now I get there and I need a nap. Is that normal? Uh, I don't take naps. I you just don't... get up early in the morning. <laughs> I don't take naps. I don't get to take naps. I need, I feel like I need them, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, I, I actually enjoy, what do you prefer father? Are you a flyer or a driver? Uh, no, I, I prefer to fly. I don't, I can't drive too long, you know, a couple of hours and I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, did you just, you just get tired or how, what, what happens? Uh, I, I, it, it just bores me. My back bothers me. <laughs> I just don't want to do it anymore. My yeah. eyes don't, my eyes aren't that good anymore, especially at night. Oh, it's brutal at night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand the night driving. I just drove from Nashville last night. We left at, I think, four in the afternoon and got back at a little bit after midnight to Peoria. And uh, it gets, especially, it was raining. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. And some of these dark roads, what I find is I'm, I'm fine. I've got my headlights on and you can turn the brights on. You're good. It's when you get cars coming up behind you oh. with, their, with their brights on. It just blinds me. You know, oh, or if they're coming the other direction, you can't see anything either. It's terrible. Yeah. 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 That was interesting. I had two kids in the car. I had August, no, I had Gabriel and Royce Aaron. Gabriel is almost nine, and Royce Aaron turns four at, uh, at the beginning of October. So I had a four-year-old and an eight-year-old for a like a six, seven-hour drive. It was interesting. Uh, they're they're pretty good, I guess. Well, you could turn the wheel over to Gabriel. I thought about it. You know, <laughs> at some point they will be big enough. Both of them have taken turns sitting on my lap, and you know, kind of driving around our little cul-de-sac area of our of our neighborhood. Uh, you know, that's I got to do that when I was little. That was a lot of fun. So, okay, listen, we I, I don't exactly have a big agenda planned for today, except just to touch base with Father O. We've got um, some new guests coming on later this month and early in October from uh, Sophia Institute and some of the new projects they're working on. I am working on getting somebody from the Cabrini Project to join this program in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. For those that don't know, Cabrini is a movie about um, about uh, St. Cabrini. She's a saint now, Father, right? Wasn't she one of the oh, first? Oh, yeah. Francis Cabrini, the first American citizen canonized. First American citizen canonized. And yeah, can you, probably, from, you know, tell us a little bit about Cabrini if you well, could? She, she's from Italy, uh, 19th century. Uh, she started a religious uh, community, uh, educators. And uh, the Pope uh, at the time, I think it was, maybe it was Leo the Thirteenth. Uh, he asked her to come to America because we had a large number of Italian immigrants that came here. 
and asked her to establish uh, schools for the immigrants. So she came and uh, came into uh, the U.S. via New York and uh, began schools, opened up convents uh, and hospitals. Then she went from New York to uh, Chicago, did the same thing, and then traveled to South and Central America and did the same thing there. She was a dynamo, a real dynamo. And uh, she then becomes the uh, first, uh, she became an American citizen, and then she's the first American citizen canonized. I think her canonization was in the 30s. I'm not sure about the exact date, but uh, her, uh, her body is uh, in Washington Heights, right off the Washington Bridge in uh, New York City. So yeah. uh, really a fantastic person. What she was able to do, one little lady coming from Italy, wow, what a dynamo. Yeah, no, that's such a great, uh, a great summary of it. So the film itself comes out in March of 2024, and it's the same director, Alejandro Monteverde, who directed The Sound of Freedom, which many of our listeners have probably seen. If you haven't seen Sound of Freedom yet, go check it out. I'm pretty sure it's still in theaters. Uh, Father, did you ever make it to Sound of Freedom? Oh, I sure did. I sure and, did. That's what moved me so much to try to uh, establish a, uh, a, a situation where people can become sensitized to the evil of uh, child sex trafficking. And so, as you know, we uh, have invited Jim Caviezel here to Naples, Florida, and there'll be a major event at uh, the Naples Grand Resort Hotel dinner and uh, a talk by Jim Caviezel. And I believe we're also going to have a 20 minute uh, testimony on film by Tim Ballard, the actual uh, Homeland Security agent that rescued the children. So uh, this will be on October the 19th. And I know you will be there. I'll be there. Thanks yeah. to Father Oh, I, I am so blessed and honored to be attending that. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun, actually. So Father, and I'll get back to Cabrini and Sound of Freedom and, and this, but just talking about Naples for a second. I mean, this is a big deal. It's not exactly, you know, you don't, I mean, for most of us people, we don't just pick up the phone and call up Jim Caviezel and say, hey, come on over and, you know, speak. You know, Father O, on the other hand, he gets away with all sorts of stuff. So father, <laughs> yeah, barely, barely. <laughs> if Father wants something to happen, he, he makes it happen. It's unbelievable. I remember you were on this program and you said, Royce, get, you know, we want Jim Caviezel. And I, I kind of was scoffed a little bit. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to get Jim Caviezel there. Next thing I know it, he already did it. He already got it done. I told him, I said, I'm a friend of Robin Hood. And he says, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to do with that one. That was all father. Oh, it's just amazing uh, what you can do when you've got that initiative. And uh, as father always says, don't stifle initiative. And I can, I That's can right. see, I can see where you get that. I mean, in many ways, father, you, 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 you do things, you have the idea and you go for it. And I just really admire that. And I think our, I'm sure our listeners do as well. And you can learn all about Father's different projects at actionforlife.net. And Father's on YouTube and all sorts. If, if any of our listeners haven't checked out his programs, please be sure to do that. Uh, they're wonderful. We'll post links in our Facebook page as always. But going back to this Cabrini film, so this is pretty cool. And I just want to read the synopsis uh, from the director of Sound of Freedom comes a bio biopic of one of the most influential people at the turn of the 20th century, Cabrini. After an Italian woman moves to five points in New York, Francis Cabrini goes toe to toe with the government, the church, 
the, and blatant bigotry to fight for those at the margins of society. With entrepreneurship, grit, and boldness, Cabrini creates a home full of compassion and a legacy that's everlasting. I was looking into her a little bit. I mean, this woman came over here basically penniless. Mm-hmm. The Vatican said, yeah, you can go, but we're not going to help you pay for anything. And when she gets here, the local um, the uh, local bishop or cardinal at the time said, yeah, you know, you're welcome to come here. You know, you want to open an orphanage, you want to open a school a clinic or whatever. Do, you can do that, but we're not going to give you any money and you're not allowed to ask for money at our churches. Yep. So, so what does she do? She goes to Five Points, which, Father, I don't know if you can tell us anything about Five Points, but my understanding is that at the turn of the 20th century, it was like a living hell. A very dangerous place. As a matter of fact, there was a movie that came out maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, called Five Points. And it's about the gangs of New York. So uh, you might want to put that up, you know, on the podcast and let folks uh, go to Netflix and get it. Five Points. Was that, was that the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? That's exactly the one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was, I mean, that, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, that, I remember that film and it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, basically every day was a fight and the, yep. and it was controlled by gangs and, you know, the, the police officers were afraid to go to certain areas of the five points uh, borough that was called a borough, right? Or it had boroughs in it. In, uh, in New York, there are five boroughs, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island and Bronx. Okay, so where, where, would, where would Five Points be located, do you know? I think that Five Points was located in the, hmm, I think it was in the Chelsea area of Manhattan, I think. Look, we got to look this up online. Let, let, up. Me, let me, yeah, let me see if I get it. Hey, Siri, hey, Siri, where is Five Points in New York? Uh, while Father is doing that, I'm going to ask Chat GPT where Five Points is. Uh, this is not giving me what I want. Where is Five Points, New York? Let's see who who gets it faster. This Chat thing is GPT not GPT or Siri. Hey Siri, <laughs> where is Five Points in New York? Here it is on the map. Uh, oh, give me. To give me some place that's not five points. I mean, hey, Siri, I mean New York City. <laughs> uh, hey, Siri, what do you have? I Okay, I said, chat GPT, where is five points, New York? And the answer is, I'm not sure I understand your request. Could you please provide more context to clarify what you're asking about? All right. This technology. Hey, Siri, where does the movie Five Points take place in New York City? Okay. I found this on the web for where just the movie Five Points take PL in New York City. All right, now let me. Oh, I think I got it. I got an answer too. From what do you got? Okay, it says Five Points is a neighborhood in Lower Manhattan, New York. Father, you were right. Known yeah. for high levels of poverty and crime in the 19th century. Yeah, because it doesn't have the streets, does it? Though uh, this says uh, at the intersection of Anthony Street, now Worth Street, Orange Street, now Baxter Street, Mulberry Cross Street. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, I, I said Chelsea. Chelsea is a little bit above there, but uh, this is uh, the area called Lower Manhattan near Battery Park and uh, Little Italy and Chinatown. That's the area. Wow. Yeah. And it, it looks was, like, so I wondered, does that encompass where Hell's Kitchen would be? I think Hell's Kitchen was on 42nd Street. Take a look at that. Yeah, one. It looks like Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan, 
stretches from 34th to 59th. So that would have yeah, second. Right. And that's where the New York Port Authority is up on 42nd Street. And that's a rough neighborhood, too, from what I understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it was making a comeback uh, for a while with um, Giuliani. You know, the, uh, with, well, Giuliani, uh, Yuppie's moving in. But uh, it's probably deteriorated once again because it's the Times Square area, too. And uh, that really you know, greatly improved under Mayor Giuliani and Bloomberg. But uh, I'm told that the area is once again filled with uh, uh, vagrants and uh, people that are sleeping on the streets and taking drugs. So uh, well, if you're going to if you're going to, you know, be a criminal, the places to live these days are New York. San Francisco, Chicago, because they don't they don't arrest you. And, and right. what is in San Francisco, if it's if it's uh, it's non, you're not going to get prosecuted for theft under nine hundred dollars. Is that what right? You got to make sure you take. A, I think I think it's nine hundred ninety nine dollars. If you hit a thousand, then you might get arrested. You might get arrested. So, <laughs> so what what happens? These brilliant politicians, and maybe they're doing this by design. They can't be that stupid, folks. I honestly think. You've got, you know, this sort of George Soros type, you know, boogeyman in the background that want to see this, the fabric of freedom unravel and they want socialism to catch it for whatever reason. Who knows? But I yeah. mean, think about it. You, you can. So these stores, you, you have these videos. Everybody's seen the videos where all these, you know, you get a, these flash mobs of 100 people coming in, taking whatever they want, and leaving. And they're not even afraid of getting arrested or anything. Well, Robin Hood, I think you're on to something when you talk about uh, socialism. Uh, this is, you know, uh, the new world order. You keep on bringing people in who have no place to go. They can't eat. Uh, they have no jobs. They can't be fed. They're sleeping on the streets. The neighborhoods become dangerous. Business is closed. Well, the only other thing you could do is tax people who they deem to be rich. But... Uh, because you have to feed people. You have to clothe people. I mean, it's humanitarian. It's what the gospel calls us to do. Uh, however, uh, in, in doing so, you're going to destroy a country. And that's why you have to have immigration that is a regulated thing. So, and, uh, yeah, so this is a terrible father, problem. According to the Washington Post, this goes along with what you're saying. Amid border strains. Now, the secular media and the mainstream, you know, propagandist arm of the DNC doesn't get into details of what the border strains is from. Why do we have border strains, right? Because they won't shut the borders and they're letting people right, in. Yeah, right. Biden extends legal status to 470,000 Venezuelans, allowing hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans in the country to work legally. So look, I'm all about people immigrating and coming here for a better life, right? The argument is legal versus illegal following the rules breaking the rules um and not to mention you know i mean I, I don't know i don't know where the labor arguments are i've heard it both ways you've got americans looking for jobs but maybe they don't they're not interested in those laying, low paying jobs I, I don't know i don't get it but bottom uh, line is, yeah, let's go like, let's go back a step robin hood uh once you let people in here whether legally or illegally you have an obligation to them Let's be honest. Uh, these people are not going to be sent back. Yeah. How well, they, are you going to, what do you, what do, you do, have a roundup of, of thousands of people? No. Once yeah. they're here, they're not going back. And it becomes so ridiculous that they are giving them, uh, you know, as they come over the border, here's a phone, uh, call us back in seven years. 
Uh, who's kidding whom? This is ridiculous. Well, right? or they'll give, them a, they'll give them a court date, a hearing. Right. And Sierra's yeah. talked about this before. You know, your, your, your hearing is in 90 days. Here's some money. Uh, here's a bus pass. And they never show. Of course, they never show. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what do you have to do? All right. You have to, in some way, uh, take care of these people. Uh, there are jobs available. There are jobs available for them. I believe, you know, first of all, the, the bottom line is they shouldn't be let in in the first place. That's the bottom line. Once they're here, give them a work permit, because if you don't, what happens is you have vagrancy on the streets. You also have crime because they need things. And uh, also they're not paying into the system and we have to support them. Yeah. So allowing them to work makes sense. Um, yeah. I know a lot of, like on the farms and stuff, there's a lot of those jobs, you know, Americans don't necessarily want to do. Right. Hey, um, Robin Hood, you've yeah. been, you, you lived in Florida. You know how dependent we are on that population. And this yeah. is going all through the whole nation at the moment because you can't get people who want to take certain jobs. They're available. So you might have people who don't want to work, you know, in a, a restaurant as a waiter, a waitress. What about the people who wash the dishes, people who cook, people who do the lawns, people who do the roofing? Um, I mean, my brother lives in New York City and uh, he just had a new roof put on his house. He said the owner of the company was an Italian guy. All the workers were Mexican. Mm. And the guy said to him, that's all I can get are Mexicans. They're willing to work. So, I mean, we have a problem. It's, it's caused by the laxity of this present administration. I, I, I think the motives are that uh, you just have a one world government, that there are no more borders, you know, world without borders, George Soros. But the bottom line is, you know, practically speaking, and as Christians, what do we do with the problem that we have with the cards that are, dwell, that are dealt to us? That's a great, um, great way to segue into it. And let's pick it up on the other side of the break. And we'll get into some other headlines. You're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll be right back. Yeah, don't ever lose hope. Please believe in yourself. There's a new app. So Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to check us out on Facebook at Facebook uh, forward slash Truth Culture Life POD for pod. And uh, we'll be posting some links to Cabrini, to Father Orsi's uh, other uh, programs that are on television um, and, and the link to this episode as well. So, Father, we're talking about, you know, immigration and, you know, there's two sides to the argument. There's the political side where you've got, you know, this open border. I, I call, I'm going to call it a conspiracy where you've got and it's not even it's not even like they're hiding it. I mean, the World Economic Forum, George Soros, all these sort of like supervillains that are out there talk about, you know, open borders. They talk about, you know, global socialist governments. They talk about, you know, vaccine passports and all this stuff that they want to implement. Um, But then on the the Christian side, you've got real people. How do you, how do we as, as Christians and as Catholics, how do we kind of toe the line between what we think is right politically and our obligations to um, to our fellow humans. Well, I think that, as I said earlier, uh, politically we can say and we can vote and say uh, the borders have to be closed, right? That's what we can say. The, the borders have to be closed for the good of the people coming in and for the good of our own country, right? However, in the meantime, we have to deal, as I said, with the cards that are dealt to us. And you have these people coming in and we do uh, owe them uh, at least humanitarian care and some creative programs by which they can uh, fend for themselves and take care of their families. Right now, this is an unmitigated disaster. Uh, the border is wide open. Uh, we have uh, unaccompanied children coming in. Uh, they are being sent to foster care where there is no oversight. There is no evaluation of where they're going. And many of these children end up in uh, sex, the sex trade. Uh, we have people coming over who are who are criminals. Uh, we have people uh, coming over uh, who have diseases. I mean, so a country has a right to protect itself. And these things have to be put to the politicians. At the moment, I don't see the politicians as solving the problem. I think they, they are the problem. Yeah. So, no, yeah, there's no question about it. I think, um, you know, it's interesting. You, you, you talked about the, the children in the foster care. And I, I know there's some stats out there that are just mind boggling uh, with the just thousands upon thousands. I mean, it's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. If 500,000 Venezuelans are just given legal status, how many children came with them, right? And if a lot of times um, you got these coyotes that bring two or three kids, they're not even the legal parents. The parents will yeah. pay the coyotes, take my children to America, they'll have a better life. What do these coyotes do? They, you know, they sneak them in and then they sell them into the sex trade. Right. And these right. children. That's why this is, this is evil. This is absolutely evil. The coyotes are very, very bad people. 
Oh, they work very, 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 very bad people. Yeah, no, it's it, you know it's it's unbelievable that you think that you know look at thinking about the movie uh, Sound of Freedom for a minute that and some of the stats that have come out, you know the United States is the largest consumer of 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 the sex trade uh, in the world, which is terrifying. How yeah. is that even possible in our own communities in our own backyards? It's just unbelievable. Because the politicians are allowing it to happen. That's why it's happening. Yeah. So it's up to uh, us, obviously, being good stewards, um, you know, you know, caring for those. I think about the Benedictines for a second. You know, they if somebody knocks on their door, they treat them like Jesus, right? Right. Um, that's different. They still have a big wall, and they still lock their doors at night. <laughs> and they might not open the door in the middle of the night if someone's knocking or if somebody tries to climb the fence, they're probably going to call the police. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a very dangerous world we're living in, and uh, – and unfortunately, in our own country, if you live in in the major cities, uh, you 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 should be scared. You really yeah. should be scared. My yeah. brother was telling me just to get on the subway or a train up in Manhattan uh, that you get surrounded by homeless people looking for money, and many of them are uh, genuinely um, uh, in need. Uh, many of them are druggies. Many of them are insane. Mm. Yeah, and they're just. It, it reminds me of being in Italy, where the. Uh, what are the folks there? The um, the gypsies that will come out of nowhere and just the kids will just surround you. And of course, there and like in Rome, what you have to watch out for is pickpockets. Oh yeah, they're all over you, and yeah. uh, they'll bump into you. Next thing you know, it all <laughs> everything you had is just gone. Gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, Robin Hood. Uh, you know, we're talking about you know some social problems today, especially with the immigration, homelessness, and all that stuff. I want to ask you something. Uh, are you on top of this auto crisis, automobile uh, uh, strike? Yeah, the, the UAW. Uh, yeah, what do you what do you think? I got some ideas. Tell me what you think. I think of the about situation. Reagan when uh, the the uh, the flight controllers went on strike back in the was it sometime in you know the the mid eighties. Yeah. Uh, right, and he said he said if you guys don't show up, I forget exactly what it was. Some of the listeners might remember better. If you don't show up to work by Monday, you're all fired. And I think like. 80% of them showed up to work. Uh, right? Do you remember that, Father? Oh, I sure, I sure do remember. But what do we, we have now uh, an auto workers strike in uh, three plants. One's in Detroit and one's in Toledo and Salantis is someplace else. Right? One of them. There's three cities right now. And they're asking for a uh, 40% pay raise over four years and a, a four-day work week. Right? Do the uh, workers have any legitimate gripe here? And, you know, what should the union uh, be doing? And what role does the government play in all of this? Yeah. So let me try to answer that question. I will say, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I, I fully support capitalism. I, I think that if somebody innovates and creates a, a company, they should be able to pay themselves, you know, handsomely for that. But on the other hand, you've got these, publicly traded companies with CEOs making tens of millions of dollars. And so I, I don't have an issue with pay raises for employees. Is it a 40% number over a period of time? That sounds like an arbitrary number. What it's over I, four years, yeah. But I think what makes more sense is having some scale, you know, merit-based, tenure-based um, raise that you can work for. So like if you're there for so long, if you, you know, are, are good, you know, good worker, you get a raise, you know, could these in incremental raises, I, I don't, I don't support arbitrary numbers across the board. Cause I think 
not everybody fits neatly into that box. In terms of four-day work week, I think that's absurd. Um, I, I don't I don't see any merit for that whatsoever. You know, you go over to Italy, and again, I'm talking about that, just there are people over there that I, I know have a hard time even finding full-time employment because once you're a full-time employee, you get these state-backed um, uh, like benefits that the employers are obligated for. So the result is employers aren't hiring people full time because they're on the hook. You can, you know, you get, I think 60 days off a year or something crazy, depending on what line of work you're in. I mean, there's, yeah, I have a, I have a couple of cousins over there. Whenever I try to get in touch with them, the message says inferia, inferia. You know what that means? Holiday. They're on holiday. Yeah. They're on holiday. <laughs> they're always on holiday. It's called vacation holiday over there. I know. Yeah, yeah. They get like something like 30 to 60 days a year. Uh, guaranteed healthcare. If they if they quit or they're fired, they get thirty days of pay, no matter what. So the result is the Italians, particularly the young Italians, aren't getting the jobs. It's going to the immigrants who these some of these rights don't vest in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I just talk to you about that that United Auto Workers strike. Yeah, go ahead. I I, I, I see it on a uh, maybe on a more uh, a broader uh, level. Um, First of all, do they deserve a raise? Now, remember, a lot of these people are assembly line people, all right? They're, they're making auto parts for the cars. Now, the American auto industry is uh, it's, it's dying. It's dying. Uh, if you go look in a parking lot, go see how many cars are foreign cars. They're not, they're not you know, the Chevrolet, the Cadillac, or right. the the Buick or the Chrysler, okay? They're, they're from foreign countries. Right, right. A lot of these foreign cars are being made here in the, uh, the right-to-work states because there is no union. So we have plants of, you know, uh, uh, Fiat, and we have plants of Hyundai and all these companies right here in the U.S. of A., usually in the red states. Tennessee, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Big, uh, plant so there, yeah. we have these people in... Uh, just say Michigan, Ohio, and do they need more money? And from what I understand, their average salary is about $60,000 a year. And with the price of inflation, they can't make ends meet. This is what I'm told. And I can understand that $60,000 a year is not much for somebody with a family. Right. Now, what has led to the situation where foreign car companies are making it and uh, their people are getting paid uh, either a, a better salary or the states where they live are not as expensive to live in, right? So what do we do in, in, in these situations? Whose fault is it? I think it's the government's fault. I think we uh, put you know, so many uh, regulations out there on uh, the uh, American auto industry I think we uh, subsidize, uh, for instance, electric vehicles, and all of a sudden, everything becomes more and more expensive for the automobile company. And uh, it doesn't really uh, filter down to the uh, average worker in the plant. Now, I understand. Look, I, I'm told that the president or the CEO of General Motors, she's making uh, $28 million a year. I mean... I don't know what you do to make $28 million a year. And the other two uh, CEOs making $20 million a year. I get it. I get it.
But you know, there's an old expression, I use it many times, you might be right, but it might be a last right. Right. Because if you continue on strike and uh, you're making, I, I, I think they want that 39% pay raise over four years, which is, it doesn't come to a lot over four years, but the companies can't keep up and they will not be able to pay them their salaries and their jobs will disappear because they are going to be making electric vehicles that take a lot less workers to produce a lithium battery. Yeah. Who can make stuff cheap? The Chinese. Oh. <laughs> the Chinese are going to make it cheap. Right. And our people are going to lose their jobs. This is my thinking of the whole thing. And, you know, Christianity has something to say about this, too. Remember, I think you had me when I did Catholic social teaching. I did Rerum Navarum, you know, right. uh, about the labor unions and how important it is that there's a balance between uh, capital and, and labor and, and all of those things that make for a good society. And then John Paul II, Santissimus Annas, the important thing that people have work. It constitutes them as human beings. So what we have with this auto strike, it's a, it's a moral issue involved over here. And I think that government is the culprit. If government would just step out of this, you would see that the, the market would level itself. And you know what? Maybe we could afford American cars because right now with inflation, people can't even afford to buy a car. That's um, this is really interesting, Father, what you're talking about. And as you're as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm going through. But what are the ripple effects on the economy when you and when so when these people are striking, they're not getting a lot of them aren't getting paid. No, mm -hmm. uh, I imagine there's probably a few salaried employees in there, but mo most of these guys and gals are hourly workers. Yeah, and uh, so there's uh, if you Google who is on strike today in the U.S. just a couple days ago at NerdWallet.com. So the United Auto Workers um, right now only thirteen thousand, but the potential to reach one hundred and fifty thousand. If all additional plants go on strike, the Screen Actors Guild of America, 160,000 actors and entertainment professionals, which includes people that do props and staging and lighting. All, all those people are out. That's to the uh, Screen Actors Guild. You've got the Writers Guild of America, a smaller 11,500 writers for TV, radio, online media. Unite Here 11, hotel workers, 1,700 on strike, some hospitals. Another big one that's interesting is uh, apparently on August 30th, members of the Association of Professional Flight Attendants voted yes to strike. And that could potentially have more than 26,000 flight attendants on strike. Um, wow. So I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we've seen in the entertainment world productions on films just coming to a halt because – you don't, you know, the people are striking. So the talent, not on your, not on incor incorruptible, right? Not on incorruptible right uh, now. You, that is moving forward. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I notice how me. I got that in folks. He's making the movie incorruptible. <laughs> yeah, Incorruptiblemovie.com. We thank you for the plug. Oh, and ba father and other news, we should segue into this briefly. Um, we have formed the Catholic film foundation. Sorry. And father, you're, you're down as a board member, whether you know it or not. Uh, I thought I'd be like a star, you know, like uh, Clark Gable or one of those dudes. <laughs> yeah, you could be. Um, yeah, we could, we're going to put you in the movie. You're going to be an incorruptible. So that the Catholic. <laughs> I'm going to be incorruptible. Huh? Yeah, I don't know if you'll be incorruptible or not, but you're going to be in the movie. Don't, don't you send me for a shot of formaldehyde. <laughs> yeah. No embalming or mummification or any of that. Father. Yeah. No. Um, 
so Catholic Film Foundation, the purpose of that, which is we filed paperwork for it to be a 501c3, the purpose of the Catholic Film Foundation is literally in its name. It's to support Catholic film. And so the inaugural project will be this incorruptible movie that we're working on. But then from there, the hope is to get, you know, to raise money and to basically have a fund to create high quality Catholic movies. Like I, I was watching, um, uh, really, it's just a, such a funny movie, The the Reluctant Saint. Father, have you seen The Reluctant Saint? It came no, out in I have 1962. Not. I have not. Oh, it's it's worth it. It, it is black and white, um, but it is it is so witty and funny. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It was just so well done about Saint Joseph of uh, Cupertino. Um, it's just such such a good movie. So I encourage people to see that. But anyways, so we've talked about like as an idea for the Catholic Film Foundation, like, hey, let's can we somehow remake that movie? You know, modernize. Yeah, but you it know, he's that. he's the one that uh, he he had uh, ecstasies uh, and, and he was. Floating in the air. That's right. Don't and you have me floating? Don't you have me floating the air? Father, <laughs> you just gave me a great idea. If we make that movie, you could be St. Joseph. So we'll have that to just float in the air. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get some uh, bungee cables or something and have to, we'll have to be suspended for a while while we're. Uh... <laughs> no, just, uh, you know, I, I got to say though, so, you know, there are some Catholic movies out there that are so incredibly cheesy and poorly made. And I don't want to get into the names of which ones they are, but man, I, I just feel like on the other side of, of, you know, outside of our churches, you know, at the Protestant side of, of things, you know, they're making such high quality films. Like we should be doing the same thing. We have so many great stories to tell. So anyways, that's the purpose folks. If you're interested in learning more about the Catholic film foundation, go to catholic.xyz. That's kind of like a .com, but it's different. Catholic.xyz. And you can see, uh, learn about that. And we've created a crowdfunding campaign for Incorruptible 2, Father. Um, Yeah, so trying to raise some money to pay for the production. If anybody listening wants to help support the production of Incorruptible, the movie, which is, again, about Sister Wilhelmina, go to incorruptiblemovie.com, and there is a link to the crowdfunding campaign. So anyway, Father, um, let's jump into our next commercial break, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up with one more segment on the other end. All right. All right. There's a new app, so Catholic Spirit Radio listeners with new phones, tablets, and other listening devices can also listen to our programs and podcasts. Go to your Google Play or Apple App Store to find the app Catholic Spirit Talk Radio. It's free. New app, same quality programs. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. 
Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd. And believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. We were talking about, Father just reminded me in the break that I never answered his uh, United Auto Workers question. So, Father, I'm going to turn it over to you and then I'll jump in. Yeah, I just think the way things are going right now is I'm not saying that these folks don't deserve a raise. Uh, However, I am concerned for the American auto industry. I think the American auto industry is going to die. The way things are right now, the direction that we are following, the the way the government is uh, putting on so many rules, regulations, uh, subsidies, uh, I think it's all part of the new world order. I mean, we have, uh, again, you know, one world and our, our products are being produced all over the world and not here anymore. So I I think it's a real problem. You know, uh, that's, that's such a great point. I got folks, there's something weird going on and, you know, thinking about the, I I agree. I mean, first of all, I think people should get paid. What is a reasonable, people need to make reasonable amount of money. I saw a sign on um, Facebook. It was a meme that somebody had, had taken a picture of, but apparently somewhere and who, I don't know where this is. It could be in San Francisco. It could be in the middle of the United States. But there's a McDonald's out there a- advertising $25 um, per hour for their kitchen staff, um, which is great. I mean, that that's a lot better than $14 an hour. The question is, are they doing that because they want to? Or are they doing that because the local government's forcing them to do that? But look, folks, you go down to um, places like Nashville, where I, I was just there uh, speaking at the Samaritan uh, Summit or choose life marketing, you go to Nashville and you go to a restaurant and the weight might be a little bit. And the reason is uh, most of the people working in that restaurant, if they're not college kids or high schoolers are commuting in over an hour to get to work because the affordable housing issue, they just simply can't afford to live in Nashville anymore. And here in Peoria, there are restaurants that are only open four days a week. And the sign on the door will say, we're sorry, we're closed. It's Sunday. We, you know, due to staffing shortage, mm-hmm. they can't get people to work. Yeah. I don't know if that's a question of you're not getting paid enough or people are just lazy. I, I don't know which one it is. Well, do you have a, uh, an influx of migrants in Peoria? We don't. We don't have a ton of migrants in Peoria. Um, and, uh, you know, the cost of living here is, is pretty low. So in a place like Peoria, there's no, there's really no excuse other than people just don't want the jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go down to Nashville or even Jupiter where I grew up, I mean, you can't buy, you can't find a home in Jupiter for, uh, for renting for less than 2,500 a month. It may be 3,000 a month now. You know, how is, how is a person working in a restaurant supposed to, you know, support that, um, that rent? They can't. Can't do it. You can't they do it. We have the same problem here in, in, uh, Collier County here in Naples, uh, not even our uh, people who are, you know, vital people, uh, teachers, uh, uh, EMS, police, uh, 
they can't afford to live here. And how much could you afford to pay them? They have to come from someplace else. Hospital personnel. Yeah. Uh, it's a real it's a real problem. And older people are uh, losing their leases and uh, they have no place to go. Yeah. And, and you talk about supporting the family, right? Um, yeah. You're forcing if there, if people are getting married, you're forcing both, um, you know, both people in that that relationship to um, to work because they have to to support support the cost of living. Right. Uh, some of these higher places. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I will say this. I'm, there's a group out of Chicago called Julius Capital that I do some work with here and there, and they are working on these these Catholic apostolates that do affordable housing in and around different dioceses around the country. And it's really interesting. And all it is is just subsidized. The church will get some kind of uh, a government subsidy for um, committing to open, you know, so many units of affordable housing, whether it's condos or apartments or even single family homes. And these can be used for retired clergy. They can be used for the school teachers at the churches or at the, you know, Catholic schools. It's a great idea. And um, and then the donors who support that get a tax credit because it's a 501c3. So, um, you know, I, I guess I don't know if government is the answer. Probably not. I'd love to see the church doing more where it can. Well, let me ask you, when people get involved with these projects, you said some government money goes into it. Yeah. So there's a they get some sort of a subsidy. So in other words, um, uh you know, first of all, if it's a 501c3, the land is generally tax exempt. So you're not paying local property taxes. Um, and the, my understanding is that there's some other subsidy where there's government money out there that like grants that can be used towards construction or, you know, renovations. If they buy an old apartment building, for example, and they dedicate it to affordable housing, there's some pool out there that exists that can be used to help turn that into affordable housing, you know, make it, make it livable. Um, yeah. So to that extent, there's some government involvement, but what you don't what have is the government running the program. Yeah. But I'm, as we ask you now, did they get their nose into it and uh, make all kinds of restrictions? I don't know. I'm sure that there are restrictions on it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you take, you always said this father, when I was at your student at Ave Maria years ago, you said, you know, if you take Caesar's coin, he owns you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's definitely, you know, I don't, you got to obviously think and discern. Um, I want to switch gears for a second. I don't know if I ever finished plugging Cabrini, but if I think the website for that is just cabrinifilm.com and that goes right to Angel Studios, which is the same studio behind Sound of Freedom. So check that out. But also I was looking at some of the headlines and I've been noticing a lot of things about Our Lady of Sorrow. Uh, or Our Lady Sorrowful Mysteries. Father, what is that? Do you know anything about that? Uh, we just celebrated the feast, as a matter of fact, uh, I think January the 18th. And uh, the Italians from the Naples area, I believe, Avellino, call it La Madonna Dolorosa, Our Lady of Sorrows. They're the seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And they coincide with the passion of September Christ. 15th. September 15th. 15th? Okay, I was close. Yeah. And I'm, it, it coincides with the, uh, the, uh, the passion of Christ. Uh, because Mary so intimately involved in the life of her son, uh, she suffered those sorrows. And if you see a picture of it, it looks like, well, there are seven swords piercing her heart. Mm-hmm. 
and it comes out of the beginning of Luke's gospel, a sword will pierce your heart and the prediction of Simeon. Yeah. Oh, really, really interesting. Um, that it, there's a, there's an interesting Marian apparition, which is uh, approved by the church is worthy of belief for those that have ever heard of it. Our lady of Cabejo. And uh, this took place in Rwanda in uh, it looks like the first apparition was on November 28th, 1981. Well, I'll, I'll find a young student saw a lady of uh, incomparable beauty presented herself uh, as mother of the world. Anyway, it's, it's interesting because uh, at one point or another, my understanding is Mary gave that boy a rosary, which had seven decades instead of the five. Uh-huh. And, and it was uh, the sorrowful, uh, what, what's the name of that rosary? It's uh, Sorrowful Mysteries. The sorrowful Mysteries, right? Right. Um, and that was one of the reasons why. So the boy took that to his school and showed the priest and explained what it was in this wasn't something that was being taught in that area. And in fact, I don't think it had, it was being taught much anywhere at that point. It has sort of been forgotten uh, at least in this part of Africa. Um, and so that was one of the mysteries that are the miracles associated with that apparition of being worthy of brief. Really interesting. I don't know how much that has to do with this feast day, but it's interesting. Uh, the, the, the feast day certainly uh, uh, came way before the right. apparition in, uh, in Africa. But uh, it's, it's a long, long history to that feast. Uh, St. Bridget of Sweden. Looks like is that, it, she instituted Bridget of Sweden. Yeah, I think that is. Uh, isn't that who saw Our Lady and, and where the who has told her about the mysteries? I believe so. And if you look, she um, she founded the Bridgetines. Uh huh. That's the name of her community. And if you look at their habit on the veil are a crown of thorns. Yep. It's just amazing. You know, our church history is so cool. And the, the mystical side of our church has, I just, so I think so many fruits that are there to just be enjoyed. Um, Robin, look up, look up the, uh, the seven sorrows. Yep. I've, I've, got listed. It, I've got it up right now. Seven sorrows uh, and the promises to those who meditate on them daily. Um, okay. So the seven sorrows are the prophecy of Simeon the flight into Egypt, the loss of Jesus for three days, the carrying of the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus taken down from the cross, and finally Jesus laid in the tomb. Okay. Um, oh, and it says in his book, The Glories of Mary, St. Alphonsus Liguori said right. Jesus revealed to blessed Veronica Banasco that he takes more pleasure, as it were, in seeing his mother compa- uh, compassionate, than himself for thus he addressed her my daughter that the tears shed for my passion are dear to me but loving so great uh, love my i'm sorry i'm reading this so it's a little bit the way it's it's worded is a little bit funny but loving with so great love my mother mary the meditation of the dolors which dolors, she saw, the sorrows the sorrows the name which, we get, dolorosa via dolorosa the way dolorosa. yeah so meditation of the sorrows, which uh, she suffered at my death, is more dear to me. So that's basically what you said at the top of that. Yeah. I mean, really, really cool. I mean, you know, Robin Hood, I'm just thinking something. Yeah. Do you realize the education that our listeners are getting by listening to this program? Well, I mean, we, we covered the auto strike. I mean, we covered the, the problem of immigration. 
We talked about uh, La Madonna Dolorosa, Our Lady of Sorrows. I mean, hey, folks, do you realize that, you know, you're going to get a degree in uh, politics and ecclesiology and spirituality? If I were you, I'd send Robin Hood a donation. Wow. (laughs) There's really no way to – I need to at some point create a page where people can support this program. Um, You could do it if you want to support this program. Just support the movie. Uh, go to incorruptiblemovie.com and there's a link on there and you can support the production of that film. That's the biggest need right now. Uh, we do this this radio show as a labor of love. It's such a blessing to have it. Um, I just want to wrap up as I'm, and, and, and folks, thank you for working with me as I sort of stumble through re- reading some of this. Um, here are the Jesus's four promises to those who devote themselves to our, our lady's seven sorrows. Those who invoke the divine mother by her sorrows before death will merit to obtain true repentance of all their sins that he will protect uh, them in their tribulations, especially at the hour of death, that he will oppress upon them the memory of his passion and that they will uh, have the reward in heaven, that he will commit uh, such devout servants to the hands of Mary and that she may dispose of them according to her pleasure and obtain for them all the graces she desires. It sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, sounds very good. You know, you don't hear enough about it these days about the seven sorrows. I remember when I was younger, you would hear about the seven sorrows. And I remember a parish in Philadelphia uh, when I studied there called Our Lady of Sorrows. So it's uh, it's a, a rich uh, devotion in the church and maybe it needs to be uh, revived. Wow. No, it's uh, I think so. So, it, yeah, I, I would encourage that. There's a neat article at churchpop.com right now that talks about the seven sorrows and apparently there's a book you can download for free um it includes the meditations on each sorrow so we'll post a link to that uh, on our facebook page yeah there actually i was involved with the movie a number of years ago father through a group called stellamar films and it was called um if only we had listened and if only we had listened, starred Immaculate Ilabajaza, who came from Rwanda. And she is the um, young lady that survived the 1994 genocide in Rwanda. I um, remember meeting her. You brought her down here once, didn't you? She was didn't speaking you? at something. Um, my Where brother, were we? Washington? Well, we have someplace. Someplace. Oh, she came to yeah. my wedding. Father, all right, all right, all right. That's you, were, you you performed the ceremony at our wedding, and Immaculate did a reading for us. That's right, yeah. That's right, and so uh, what a gift. In fact, I haven't spoken to her in a few years. I need to reach out to her because I would love. I got to get her involved with Incorruptible. But anyway, you know, her story, we'll get into her story another time. Maybe I'll ask her to be on this program. We'll do that. How about that? We'll get her on maybe, here. Maybe she can play the role of, uh, of Immaculate. Uh, of sister her, um Sister Wilhelmina. Yeah. That could be. That could be. I, I definitely want to get her commentary. Um, yeah. You know, because she's got, she's just so amazing. One of the, uh, we'll leave it with this. She was talking about how she survived um, the genocide in Rwanda. And I want to have her on to tell her story a bit more. So we'll, we'll try to make that happen. But one of the things she said, she was hiding in a bathroom for seven months. Or no, for three months with seven women. That's what it was. And the man that was um, hiding her was a, a, a Protestant minister of the other tribe, like the tribe that was persecuting her tribe, but he had compassion and, you know, rescued her. Anyway, um, she, when she came out of there years later, she visited 
a man in prison that had macheted, I think, either her dad or her brother. And he had murdered her dad and brother. This was a neighbor, somebody she knew. And the guard escorted her immaculately to the prison and kind of turned away as if to, hey, spit on him, throw, you know, punch him, whatever you want to do. The man was chained up. And the guard kind of turned away. Do whatever you want. This guy killed your family. And what does she do? Father, can you guess what she did? She forgave him. That's right. She gave him a hug. She walked up to the man that killed her brother, or it was her dad. I can't remember which one. And she hugged him. And she forgave him. And it, it was such a beautiful moment. And in fact, um, it's that you can see the footage for that in the film. And I think it was actually my brother, Sean, was there filming that, believe it or not. Uh, maybe we could have Sean on here to talk about yeah, that is, experience. Is he, is, is he here within Australia? Where is he now? He's in. Uh, he's up in um, south of Cocoa Beach somewhere. Oh, on like there. that's that's near Australia, isn't it? Near Australia, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the beach. Yeah. So just amazing. And Immaculate gave a talk once, and she said, "You know, um, forgiveness is. You know, that's I, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't forgive him." And she said, um, "You know, hate is not something children are born with. Children are born only to love." Hate is something that they are taught. And how true is that? What a true statement. So that's my homework, Father. I'm going to try to get Immaculate onto the program. Yeah, get her on. Happen. All right, well, we'll stay tuned. I think we're out of time, Father. Oh, I'll give you All the right. last word. Truth's cold. All tonight. right. Hey, uh, folks, uh, keep uh, the uh, American uh, automobile uh, industry in your prayers i think we're in real trouble i think that sooner or later they're going to disappear we're going to lose a lot of jobs and a lot of families are going to suffer because of it yeah i hope uh i hope father's wrong but the only way to get through this is through prayer so i always have a way of giving somebody the last word and then saying something so father <laughs> you say the last thing and then we're gonna cut off yeah don't forget the movie incorruptible robin hood's making it and uh, it's going to be fantastic that's it. God bless. I still think <laughs> God bless. You got to end Take this. Care. I'll see you, bye. For my conversion.